I've heard of Gargamel, but Asriel? You are listening to The Run. It is The Run. This is The Run. It is The Run. The Hi, hello. How you doing? Thanks for coming back to the run. I'm very happy if you're here with us. My name is David Boyce. I'm joined, as always, by my best friends, my brothers in arms, my Hulkamania. I don't know. I don't know what a comic book fan term would be. I'm just shit in the bed here right now. Fucking Jonathan losing. Kovacs, how are you doing, sir? <laughs> League of uh, Superheroes over here. Uh, I'm just glad you're the one coming up with the intros because I could not have come up with that Gargamel line to save my life. That was something else. I was thinking of rhymes for these things, but I was just like, eh, let's just drop some Smurfs in here. Screw it. Yeah. Uh, and I'm also joined by Chris Boyce. How are you doing, sir? I'm fantastic. We, this is The Run. This is about comic books. We wanted to look at certain runs of the comic book industry, be it story, characters, or creators. Today, we are looking at Batman, Sword of Asriel, another key component to the Nightfall saga. This is the first uh, mention of Asriel, St. Dumas, and the Order overall. Uh, this was written again by Denny O'Neill, who is pretty big into the Bat titles at this point. This is kind of his love child, this whole saga that we're going over. We dealt with Venom last the story of Venom last time, which uh, introduced the drugs that Bane will be using. This is his uh, follow-up, which is the introduction, like I mentioned, the introduction of Asriel, uh, and also art by Joe Quesada, who a lot of people know as the, at one point, EIC of Marvel during the late 90s, early 2000s, mid-2000s, who basically saved Marvel from the dreck that it was from the 90s. Artist in his own right at the time, he did art for Batman, as well as, oh, duh, obviously, this one. He did uh, his own creator character, uh, creator-owned things, uh, Ash. He relaunched uh, a bunch of jobber Marvel characters under the Marvel Knights banner with you, uh, Daredevil. So if you like Daredevil right now, after like watching Netflix, you can thank Joe Quesada for that, for sure. Yeah, and then he went on to basically guide Marvel up until 2010, I think, or something like that. But still does covers here and there. I don't know what his capacity is these days, but he's done he's done a lot of art over the years. I just saw online he did a, uh, a Doctor Strange that looks really cool. Is it just a cover? Yeah, it's just like a cover, but he has like some like he has like a giant sword over his shoulder that's like yeah. see through, and he has a book with magic stuff. He just looks good. Yeah, yeah they uh, like you said by the art. Uh, if you ever pick up, I don't know if you ever read his early. Was it Ninjax? Was that a valiant? Yes, that was a valiant. Title. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I I got a hold of the first five or six issues of that only because he drew it. Yeah, and uh, again, his artwork is just spot on there, and it's it's a shame that. And that's the one thing I liked about this book, especially, and uh, whatnot. But his artwork is, I want to say, very unique. I think it's McFarlane-esque. Yeah, but I'm going to say he's better. Um, really? Yeah, I don't oh, like... I, I like him better than... Early McFarlane, Dude, they're, like they're on par, but anymore. But I think Casada's art has... He's a little bit more liney now than he used to be. Yeah. But I think his art has stayed, whereas now... McFarlane's too big on his high horse, and I'm sorry, but 
Early McFarlane, yeah, but McFarlane doesn't really draw anymore. He does stuff on Twitter from time to time, but they're just sketches, and it drives me crazy because he's my favorite artist, I think, of all time. Maybe that'll probably switch too. Like I'll be like, oh, he's the best of all time, because then Sam Keith comes to mind, and maybe that'll be an email question we get down the line. Uh, Jim Steranko. Jim Steranko is really good too. Okay, we're just gonna jump right into this. Um, have you guys read this before? No. Yes. You have? Okay. This is this is new to me. I've read Venom before, but I have not read Sword of Asriel. Um, I actually remember when this first... I actually had the first issue of this when it came out, and I had no idea that... Because, again, I think I was 10, 11 when this came out. Mm-hmm. So I was really disappointed because it was the first of four issues. And I'm like, where do I get the next issues? Yeah. And because, like, the original cover, I was like, oh, this is awesome. And I knew this was, like, a big Batman thing. And Wasn't I Wasn't it like in a prestige format too? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Well, because and we'll get to this in a oh, get to this in a second. But yeah, I, I actually read the first issue when it came out, and I was so disappointed there was more. And I'm like, I have no idea how to get to get them because, again, early '90s there was no comic book shop in Bellevue. I had right. no idea what I was doing. Right. At the beginning of this trade that I have, and I'll have to let you read this. There's a really neat intro um, by uh, who is it? Archie Goodwin. And he just talks about, and Chris and I were talking about this on the way over, but he talks about how when they, at their Batman conferences, when they were, they set the tone and they were going to set the pace for Nightfall at the time. Mm-hmm. And he didn't mention Venom, but it, it, it had to have been part of it from previous years because you figure these are like a couple of years apart coming out. Yeah. But he basically tells how they didn't, they didn't want to come out and straight out tell people you need to buy this book to see what's happening later on in Batman. But it's like they wanted to, but they couldn't. Yeah. And it's just like, but um, originally this was supposed to be in a Legends of the Dark Knight series, but they didn't have any room for it, so they created its own prestige format. Yeah. And just the fact that, like like you said... I think the flashy art of Casada also helps, you know, maybe want people to pick it up more. Well, yeah, and, and it talks about... It, it's like interesting Bonnie. that it talks about, like, other stuff that he did with DC because at the time that they got him to do this, he had signed on to be the... Uh, x-factor artist yeah so he was about to jump over for what a large run in Mar- that was basically his career start at marvel yeah but the title just, x-factor <clears throat> not a x-factor artist but just the fact that they were setting all this stuff up and that in these early stages like nowadays that we read online about the conferences and whatever and as soon as you hear about the conferences they immediately put out art or they immediately put out spoilers for you yeah. exactly and the fact that back then you had no idea what was going on, yeah, and uh, that they could do these little things, and, and it's interesting because, like, I wonder how many at the time. As soon as the Nightfall started to come out, did people run back and like, what was the value of uh, Legends of the Dark Knight? Those issues when Venom showed up, because like that was the intro to all this stuff, yeah, you know, and stuff like that. And like it talks about in here that when Nightfall started, the first issue of Sword of Azrael was like going for like twenty bucks at comic shops. Like it, yeah, the fact that the internet. Now, it, it not so much predicts it, but it kind of does. But before, there was general These shock and awe. Not shock and awe, but you, you, if you, you weren't reading about it, or there was really no press, so you didn't know what you were reading, what actually... The books rewarded you for being a fan. Yes. Yeah, yeah and it just it, there was more mystery to the whole genre, unlike today, where, you know, if I... Like, I, don't, I only pick up my books every two weeks. Yeah. So in stupid, I don't know what websites you go to, but dumb CBR that I go to, like, I don't I click on Twitter. it, but they don't, you know, they, they do a really piss poor job sometimes of not, sp- of spoiling things when they shouldn't. And it's just, it, 
And it's my own fault for going there. But the yeah. fact that, you know, now that if I wait two weeks, it's already ruined. Like, I, I like the, the most recent issue of Batman number 50 with the wedding stuff. And supposedly some stuff got leaked online or on some news yeah. media yeah. ahead of time. And I didn't read any of it. So I didn't know what to expect from the issue, which was good. But the fact that it, like, the fact that it was already making headlines about it before the issue even came out was really annoying. But, yeah. but and now anyway. you're walking on eggshells on the internet trying not to get stories spoiled ju- for you. Yeah, I just I just follow creators on Twitter, basically, that I like. Like, I do follow Tom King, but he kind of retweets. He retweeted some of that Batman wedding stuff, too. So yeah. it's it's whatever. But um, yeah, but like I said, I, you know, we kind of went way off topic. But just the, the intro was talking about the, the whole setup for all the Nightfall stuff and just the creation of this character. And, and it's just... You, you forget about these things, but it was a neat yeah. reading it about the way that it all fell into place. Yeah. So let's 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 kick it off here. We start off with some Ren- Renaissance Fair looking ass LARPer with a fire sword threatening and immediately getting owned by a fat mob boss, which I think is kind <laughs> of funny. <laughs> like you got this. I mean, you got this Azrael looking guy who surprises a version of Azrael with a fire sword and he straight up just gets shot. Which is something you see like in a, a Garth Ennis yeah. or Mark Millar type of situation where they try <laughs> yeah. to act all heroic and then they immediately reality sets in and they get murked. But Mr. Renfair Larper gets a slice off of the mob boss before being shot and jumping out a window onto a parade, stealing a horse and trampling several people to death. Mm-hmm. It was kind of high octane, I guess, art. Everything seems to be going super fast. It was kind of hard to understand what was going on until we understood uh, Batman later in this thing says, oh yeah, these people got killed or whatever. Cause they kind of like, there's one panel where it looks like the horses are running over people, but well, it also the one scene where there's the uh, Gotham news media there. And then <clears throat> you see the horse trampling and it's like red and black. And then you see yeah, that, the women's it, shoe and the two microphones up in the air. And you see a, Oh, okay. Splatter. See, I didn't so, see that. It seemed kind of confusing to me. It looks no, like a one. Steve Ditko fever dream almost like, yeah. yeah. But I mean, yeah, you can tell that those two especially bit it. Um, you're not sure about anybody else, but we find out later that there was a bunch of people that I think got trampled. It was and four. Died. I wrote that down. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this guy runs down an alley mentioning mentioning offhand something called Saint Dumas or dumbass. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm pretty sure it's Dumas because it's all French. Crashes onto what we find out is his son's doorstep. Tells him what happened. Basically, uh, Denny O'Neill has this weird thing of narrating. Like he'll have the narration boxes like in either first or third person, and it's always and it'll catch up with the character at hand. He does this several, time in, several times in this book where like they're explaining what's going on, and then we'll get to a panel, and he's like, and now that's why I'm here. And that's what I'm talking about. Well, that's the, what I'm talking yeah, about. The illustration, yeah, the it, illustration, yeah, they're actually telling, it's him telling somebody a story. Yeah, which is okay, but he, I think he relies on that way too much. It, was, uh, it reminded me of, like, because, like, what, what, what year did Watchmen come out? It was, like, 86? 86 or so. And this was, like, yeah. 92? So, yeah. I mean, it's sort of a similar writing style. But... Uh, he mentions the word Azrael and to open a package that he left behind, and then he dies. This nerd is going to be the guy that takes over for Batman eventually. Jean-Paul Valley is his name. To become Azrael is a really shitty process because he's just like, my son, I'm going to die. I have this costume. You got to use it. And by the way, I'm about to die, so if you could do me a favor, undress me and just dump my body somewhere, that would be great. Yeah. <laughs> and we cut to Bats talking to Alfred about the incident. Four people killed, including a TV personality. 
that he really liked. He offhand mentions like that he wanted to fuck this TV personality, and now he can't. So Bats is a little sad about that. That's more that weird sexual innuendo, I guess, that O'Neill was going for at the time. But, you know, Batman's a playboy, billionaire, whatever. We find out the mob boss's name is Jean or Jean. A lot of Jeans in this. I just realized they're both named Jean. Jean Laha, a money man with no past, trafficking arms and exotic ammo. That's what he does for a living, apparently. Bats wonders how he survived the encounter. Bats wonders how the Azrael character, we don't, he doesn't know his name's Azrael yet, but the character that attacked Laha, Fire Sword, survived because he was wearing a bulletproof vest and here's witnesses of him stumbling off when there's clearly holes in the vest because they picked that up from the scene of the crime. We, we cut back to Jean-Paul. He's being weirdly narrated by some guy that keeps going, <laughs> constantly <laughs> through the exposition device again. Dad was taken by, his dad was taken by mysterious strangers. The box had $40,000 in cash, various currencies, and then he was sent to Switzerland and meets said narrator who catches us all up named Nomaz. Nomaz? Yeah, Nomaz. I'm yeah. say it's Nomaz. Teacher of the system. We find out that this is where the system comes from as well as anyone's ever read some Azrael stuff before. Not a computer system like JP asked. That's John Paul for short. Then Nomaz's bodyguard uh, Heinrich strikes him. Wonder why and asks why he doesn't strike Heinrich back even when hit. And then he basically goes on a narrative exposition of explaining that John Paul's uh, father was part of a 14th. I sound so bored saying this. A 14th century secret society. Who's Wikipedia and, now? Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking <laughs> in my head. <laughs> A secret society that kills, and his father has killed men, women, and children, so his father's no honorable, and that basically John Paul has to inherit this. He has no choice. He has to inherit this mantle, essentially, to become Azrael. They hold Azrael as this own person, not like you are him and someone else is someone else. Like everyone who becomes this mantle is Azrael. So there's some history there that they allude to. Casada, I have it written here too. God damn, Casada draws a good Batman. Shades of Batman or Shades of McFarlane. I love blue Batman. Yeah, that's the one thing that I um that's the one thing I noticed about this, like I said. I'll give you he's similar to McFarlane, but I personally I think I like his artwork better. The way he draws the capes and whatnot, how they flow. Yeah, and yeah. that being said, I really wish we could have gotten a lot more of him drawing Batman because just yeah. the way that he, like you said, his run with Kevin Smith on Daredevil and what he does with like the, the rope, uh, the Billy Club. That's another... And some of the other stuff that yeah. he could do. I really wish... And then in the second issue, we, we see more of like what he does with the cape. And I just really wish we could have gotten more of him doing a Batman book. Same. Because like, I even really like he the added shoulder pieces. I don't know what those yeah. are called. The shoulder... The shoulder hooks? Yeah. That's what McFarlane Which, drew. Yeah. They look like yeah. scythes coming off of his yeah. shoulders. Yeah, I mean, like, it just, he, he just does a fantastic Batman. And like I said, the, the funny thing is, don't get me wrong, there's other good artists at the time, but this book looks like, it, like again, because of his art style, you yeah. would have thought it came out today. Yeah. The, the way the coloring is and all that stuff, it, you would not have known this was 93 compared to like the other, some of the, a lot of the other artists at the time. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, this uh, issue ends with a rocket launcher. It does. Um, the first issue ends. But why does it end with a rocket launcher? Uh, it's they're shooting well, the Bat- house. And- yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty straightforward from here. Batman goes back to investigate the crime scene, finds the bullet at Leha's penthouse, and sets up his penthouse to be miked, where Leha basically says, hey, we're going to go do a weapon. He sells weapons, so he's going to go s- sell them in Switzerland. And Batman thinks this is all connected to the 
masked fighter or whatever. I don't, it's, I don't want to say Asriel because, you know, I don't want to refer to Jean-Paul, but the, the Renaissance Fair LARPer, we'll put it that way. Yeah. And uh, um, something I do like, I noticed right away when I started reading this, was yeah. that all of uh, Batman's word bubbles are rectangles. Yes, yes, that's yeah. very weird. I think that's just to imply, I, I think in Bruce Wayne, no, not in Bruce Wayne, just in general, yeah, Batman's voice yeah, bubbles it, are rectangles. And I love it because they're flying in the helicopter so you can't see who's talking, but you see the rectangle so you know it's yeah. Bruce. Yeah, I was, I was kind of hoping, and I was looking back and forth, but unfortunately we never get to see if he's... Bruce Wayne, like the whole, again the Kevin Conroy voice, where he does Bruce Wayne and he does Batman. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was hoping that there was a chance we'd actually see him do a normal word bubble for Bruce Wayne talking, which yeah. we don't. I'm gonna assume that's what would have happened, but yeah, I like like you said, it's it's, it's cool that they I like did that. I like when they do the different colored or different shaped word bubbles and stuff, kind of like what they did with Iron Man and the Human Torch in the '90s as well, yeah. uh, or Iceman. But before all this happens. We go back to Jean-Paul. Like it, it keeps jumping all over the place between three narratives. Nomaz shows him a sigil and mentions that his father has been brainwashing him since a child, basically. Um, when he so shows him this sigil, it basically awakens all this brainwashed programming, the system, so to speak, inside Jean-Paul. Batman also finds a sword with the sigil, which he gives to Oracle, Batgirl. And she's like, oh, yeah, I came over from Switzerland. So that's how Batman gets over to Switzerland to meet with them all. And yeah, like Chris said, it ends with Leha who knows about the order and the system and all that for some reason, which they'll explain later. And he just attacks their hideout where Jean-Paul and Nomaz are at while Batman arrives on the scene in a helicopter and they all crash. And that's the end of issue one, basically, just setting them all up to get together. And like I said, when I'm reading this as a 10-year-old kid and I'm like, oh, that's it? Oh, I was so disappointed. Yeah. I was so disappointed. Disappointed in, like, you wanted more, or... Oh, I wanted to read the... I, like, again, the the cover on the trade was the one I remember seeing in... I, I don't know how I started getting these previews magazines Wizard? in my house. No, it wasn't Wizard. It was actually, like, an ordering magazine that you Previous? could order. I don't know what it was. I, I don't know how we got it, or how we were getting it. Um, it, might have, it must have been previews, but it was just straight-up comic books. I know that for a fact. And... But I remember this, the cover from the trade was the one in the book. But then whenever I found the, you know, in the back here, we see the actual covers of the books. But, yeah. you know, I got the first issue and I'm thinking, oh, OK, maybe that's just a different cover. No, that was just the first issue. And I <laughs> didn't get the rest of the story. We start off with the, the rocket launcher aftermath. Batman and Alfred crash in their helicopter. Jean-Paul and Nomaz are in the cabin underneath. They're safe. There's a fall. There's a blast shelter below the cabin that they hang out in. And Leha and the person he was going to sell the weapons to runs away from the avalanche, gets in a helicopter, but like they get caught in it. And then the weird thing, the weird disconnect happens where Leha goes insane, basically. I don't know if what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, like, it, takes, it, it just, it it takes, just came out of nowhere. It take, yeah, he goes insane. And then it, like the first time I read it, I wasn't really paying attention to it. But like just recently when I reread it, I noticed... And I don't think it's till the third issue where we discover, yeah, he goes insane and starts worshiping somebody named Biss. Yeah, B I I S. Yeah, Biss. And yeah, then this. he's the, the at this whole point he starts he's with his like co-pilot or something, but he's basically just going batshit crazy. He kills and he's his talking to Biss. Yeah. yeah, and I'm, I'm like, what did he cut off? I'm, I can't tell. His if he head. cut. It, he chopped his head off. Is it? I, yes. I couldn't tell if it was his head or if he just cut his heart out. I couldn't tell. Yeah. It's because it, the panel is black, black. Red, or black on red, so yeah. you don't know, or black on white because of the snow. But yeah, it in you know it's fine that they don't show that. But um, 
it's hard to tell. Yeah, basically, they, we, we find out later that Leha was part of the order of St. Dumas. He was one of the remaining members, and uh, he stole money. Well, yeah, the, he, the, he was the order's, well, I don't know what she's Treasurer. He was the issue's treasurer, yeah. and he stole the money. It's just easier to explain this now. And then that's why the original Jean Paul's father was going after him. Yeah, because yeah. he was seeking vengeance for it. And, uh, and then we also find out that apparently Biss is this basically the evil entity opposite of Azrael. Yeah, the yin-yang of Azrael. Yeah, which they I don't, don't really do a good job of explaining that. Yeah, I had to read this a couple times just to understand what was going on because like his heel change, well, his even darker heel change just comes out of nowhere. It's like, did I miss something? Did I just graze over, glaze over something? But Well, again, I'm going to say that because like the Order of Dumas is basically a cult. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's already in that mindset and before he's, you know, in... I'm guessing that they bis again like Jesus and the devil, or if there's if anything worse than the devil in other religions, I don't know. But yeah, you know, it's just that he's already turned against his order, so of course he's going to think, oh well, the evil guy's talking to me, and he just goes crazy yeah. and starts talking to this guy. And but the, this alleged demon never talks back to him. We'll put it that way. It's, well, no, he's we don't know if it's actually talking to him or he's going insane with visions. Um, I think they want to leave that ambiguous. I don't know if they ever... Denny O'Neill writes the, the Azrael ongoing, so that may come up later. I don't know. We're not going to read that much. I think later down the line, after Nightfall, we'll read like the first arc just to see where it goes, but who knows. Um, so essentially, there's a lot of jumping around, but we can probably condense this a lot. Where Well, at this point, Batman and Alfred wake up. Uh, they're looking at the site where the cabin used to be and then it starts to rumble the ground starts to rumble and whatnot and then the, this giant hovercraft shoots out which we get a pretty good fight scene between Azrael and yeah Gene Paul's wearing the original Azrael knight outfit yeah the Renfair LARP this is again and he leaves the sword be- yeah sw- uh, Batman cape mode with st- uh, yeah Batman uh, disarms Azrael's sword and then they just they cheese it out of there basically well just like the one scene where they're just standing at each other and Batman's got this like you know, twenty foot cape on in the middle of snow is just so bad. Yeah, but yeah, he uh, they disarm him, and then Batman gets hit from behind by the hovercraft because apparently it's like really quiet and silent. <laughs> yeah, and then they basically run down into the um, the, the lair. Yeah, and then the dwarf blows it up because he's got a detonator, and he's like, "Oh, they jumped in there. I'm going to blow this place up." That's what we think, at least. And then. <laughs> And while this is happening, Leha, Leha goes nuts, even more nuts, and possessed by the spirit of Rob Liefeld. This outfit he is wearing is ridiculous. It's bulky. It's super bulky. Casada has this weird thing. He has three, two things you can always count on. Someone opening their mouth with spit connected yeah. their t- upper and lower teeth. There's yep. always some spit. Spit string. And he's really good at drawing fat but muscular uh, guys. Kingpin yeah, immediately jumps to mind. Yeah, yeah. This guy too. He's like he's uh, he's super fat, but he's not like obese looking. He's very he's like he's a King brick Pinnish. shit house. Yeah, Kingpin esque. Some ICP juggalo. Yeah, he looks a like a juggalo with a ro- with Rob Fleifeld got a hold of a juggalo basically, and he's basically going to kill all the followers of Saint Dumas. Jean Paul got the costume upgrade. He's got the badass fire gauntlets now. Like he has the Wolverine giant Wolverine claw, single claws that basically bursts into flame whenever he wants them to. Casada's another another good thing about Casada. He draws gauntlets really huge. He always draws hands huge. I think uh, you see that a lot in his Ash book. So, yeah. so for the time, 
pretty badass gauntlets with the little swords. Oh, I still swords. like them. I still like them. I think it's a badass. I think his. I think Azrael when they upgrade his look in this book, works. Like yeah. it's, it's very '90s, but it still works today. Like I would like to see this character again. I not just, the rework I, they have. I imagine flaming shovels just coming out of his wrists. Yeah, that's it's basically a, what they are. Yeah, they're flaming big, shovel. flat blades. Yeah. Oh, yeah, by the way, when Jonathan mentioned that detonator, we cut back to Batman. He's like, oh, there was a loose wire on this thing. It was just like, what the? That was kind of... But it, it just comes to the point, like, this story, it, it kind of overcomplicates things because this basically goes into, like... I don't think well, we at this point, it becomes cat and mouse. Because yeah. what happened was um, Lehi called all the surviving members of the Saint order yeah. and told them not to talk to anybody but him. Don't accept anybody's phone calls but his. Don't even listen to Nomaz for whatever weird reason that you wouldn't listen to this supposed magical dwarf that's been around forever and blah, 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 blah. But, um, and then... Gene Paul and Nomaz are basically going around trying to find the re- surviving members. Yeah, um, it's all them chasing each other. Yeah, basically. it's just cat and mouse. And then, and all then three parties. And then Bruce Wayne figured out or basically tracked them all down too using contacts he's had. And so the first one they find is close by in a hospital in a dying. Hospital. Yeah, uh, that's the uh, the reason they the reason that uh, uh, Lehigh goes there is because he's the only one that couldn't take his phone call and like. Yeah, uh, barricade himself the in a house because yeah. he's in a hospital. The guy in the hospital couldn't answer yeah. the phone. And that's the only one that Gene Paul and them could get to because he's in the hospital and he's the only one that would talk to them. So they get to the hospital right as Lehigh's killing everybody and he shoots Gene Paul who's holding the bag with the new suit and he basically flies out a window. Which and, is the end of the issue which yeah. is just like, okay, he's not dead clearly but I guess you got to end it somehow. But, yeah, that bag, his costume basically takes the brunt that's in his bag. Like, he's, he was holding it at his chest at the time. So, his gun, Leha's Rob Liefeld gun gets considerably bigger and bigger throughout this entire thing. It's ridiculous. I love it just because of how freaking 90s it is. But, yeah, he must be, he, I can't even imagine what that thing would weigh. I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> that, that gives Cable a run for his money. Yeah, it, some of the it's definitely bigger than a Cable gun. It's definitely bigger than that. Because then, he, I mean, he's like just carrying it around as a showpiece because he's just using a regular 9mm to kill everybody. Yeah. yeah he's like, oh, look at this giant flashlight I got. It's, it's insane. But then Bats and Al finally show up, so all three parties are at the hospital. Bats goes to chase Leha, and uh, he gets into like a part of the warehouse of the hospital. Knocks Leha knocks a bunch of ether on him that doesn't knock him out, but instead makes him trip balls. Yeah. Which makes Leha look like a giant dragon. Well, it basically looks like a demon because he's already wearing the outfit. It's kind of like Scarecrow-esque where he just sees him change. And at this point, uh, when I was reading this, I did like a triple take because for some reason I thought Batman was Wonder Man. Yeah, because he doesn't put his mask on. He has the sunglasses on. He has the on. sunglasses with that jacket, and the hair looks the same. And I was just like, wait, what? Yeah, he does kind of look like Wonder Man. It, it's four in the morning. And he I'm couldn't suit up completely. Yeah. When he well, was like he them. said, the thing, they, they explain that in the issue, actually, is that I can't suit up in front of all these people because they'll see me, but yeah. they don't know I'm Bruce Wayne, and they don't know that Bruce Wayne can't perform these giant... Uh, aerobatical, right? Aer- yeah. but jump around, <laughs> and, yeah, and then you know, just do all these moves and whatever. He, meanwhile, he also has the Batman suit. Like in the one scene where he's asking an orderly, "What's down there?" Nothing. Storage rooms. He, you see, oh, he's got a jacket, and then there's the Batman suit yeah. right there. Yeah, it's peeking through slightly. 
But he he basically gets knocked out because of the drugs from uh, Leha, and then Alfred and Nomaz basically kind of sort of team up to, you know, the enemy of my enemy, so to speak. And they go after to find uh, Bruce. We cut to Leha injecting Batman with truth serum. Finds out he's Bruce Wayne and his reasoning for keeping him alive, his fortune. Like, Leha's motivation kind of sucks ass. It's just, like, Man. I want money. Yeah, I want money. Well, like, I stole money from the order, and now I want your money, too. It's just like, oh, okay. Like, in the beginning, at the beginning of the series, his dialect, like, he's speaking normally, I want to say. Whereas here, uh, the one line, he says something about him taking his money. But basically, it's so juvenile, the... the yeah, it's a cartoon it, villain. But... Like the way I look at it is that he's just getting more and more insane, and that's why he no longer can okay. speak clearly. Yeah, I, he does have a different dialect in the book. He's not so calm and cool anymore. He's kind of like my lord and master, or whatever. But, but yeah, his motivation for keeping bats alive is money. So he finds out he's Bruce Wayne. The immediate thought in my head was, so this guy's gonna die, right? Like I don't remember ever seeing him again. But there's a lot of jobber Batman villains out there. But like I once he found out he was Bruce Wayne, it's like there's no way this guy's surviving. At least in my head, I don't know about you guys, so to speak. But well. okay, here's the line: I have used for you your money. Before we are done, you and I, you will tell me all I must know to gain control of your money, of your fortune. Really? That, yeah. That like, yeah. but like I said, I feel like he's. Well, you want pin numbers? Well, but <laughs> the, 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 just the way he. I feel like that's anybody. Villains are probably this stupid because people have kidnapped Bruce Wayne and, you know, he figures out he's Batman and he's going to try and use this and basically get his money. But just even the way it's written, yeah, it's like I feel like they were trying to convey the message that he's just going insane because it just doesn't even... It makes sense, but it's just not articulate. Yeah. But so after all that, Lehaw basically... They find out that Lehaw is going in a, in a straight line west for the next member of the Order of Dumas. So that's how they're able to track him. Um, I guess he just wants to be efficient. Leha goes for the next member of the Dumas. Apparently they don't know he's a traitor yet because he, he straight up goes to uh, the ne uh, next member's estate. And he's just like, oh, hey, how you doing? He's not in his bis get-up or anything like that. And uh, he requests a private meeting, puts on Batman's costume while he's no, turned that's away. No, that's, the, that's the one after that. The next one, well, there's... That's the one where they catch up to him, but he does... Oh, yeah, there's another one before that. Yeah, go he's ahead. He's just wearing a suit and uh, jacket and hat, and basically, again, the guy listened to him. He's like, okay, I didn't talk to anybody, and nobody's, you know, Nomaz has been calling me, but I ignored him. Oh, okay, and, okay, that makes sense you know, then. Da, 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 okay, da. And then he gets in the house, he takes his hat off, and he's still wearing the face paint from when he went, he's insane, and basically just kills the guy. You yeah. see a knife, and then you see blood splatter, and then... In the background or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and then he and then he goes to the one I mentioned. Yeah, and then Asriel just straight up shows up in his new garb again. So, well then yeah. So then like you said they keep going west. The next one is in London, and that's where they they get proactive and try and beat him there. Yeah. And then now Nomaz or uh, Lehi actually uses Batman's suit to kill the guy just to which I feel they don't follow through with. It looks like they're trying to go for a framing Batman deal. They explain later, but it's it's kind of whack. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like it, it's it looked like the classic like oh we're just gonna frame Batman, but we only have one issue left, and we just threw this plot idea in. So I don't know. 
Issue four starts off with a fucking bang. Yes, it does. Like, I got, I actually got a little upset. Oh, there's another, John's looking at the book now. There's another Casada of someone's open mouth and just spit coming spit down. Lines. Yeah. He did, uh, he also drew that Carnage one shot, right? No, Where that was Kyle Hotz. Oh, okay. Because I remember there was a lot of spit lines in that That's one. That's Kyle Hotz, yeah. Isn't it disgusting that I knew that right off the bat? Yes, it is. Yeah. I love 90s Spider Man. Yeah. But yeah, like, go ahead, Chris. You, you've been. Kind of quiet. What are your thoughts on this opening scene? What what Asriel does? It's just it's like I feel I feel like this character is finally like okay now I can finally kind of get behind this. This is kind of cool because he just uh, just some gang member is just like oh by the way decapitation yeah he's straight death, up just straight bah, up just, impaling and killing a dog which kind of yeah. upset me yeah and that's how you know it's like not to be fucked with and you're like okay maybe this character has some base and should be yeah one actually thing, watching one thing that. Uh, Nomaz keeps repeating is that Ezreal is an angel of vengeance and nothing else. He's not a hero. He's an angel of vengeance. And whenever Jean-Paul puts on this mask, the, the system takes over like, and he becomes a different person because Alfred asks for his name before all this, before the final fight and he doesn't even remember. That's how brainwashed he is Like in the matter of a... I think this story takes place over, I would say, a week, if that. Yeah, and because they also... Because Alfred says something about how they had conversations before. He can't remember his name, but he's soft-spoken and he seems like a generally nice guy. It's a Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah, thing. and he's yeah. like this: this the, the ferocity that this guy's fighting with. I, I can't even believe it's the same person. And so after they get those, after he just dispatches what is like ten security guards with no sweat, Asriel jumps up onto Leha, who he recognizes immediately in the Batman costume. Leha's also super fat, so like that's the other thing. It's like, why did he bother putting this? Costume on. He's not fooling anyone here. More like fat man. He's probably he's probably going for that like that old uh, trope from uh, sitcoms where like the John Goodman esque character would dress up as a woman and the boss would just fall in love with them like hubba hubba and John Goodman didn't want that intention but now he's got to deal with like a love struck boss. He's also insane. I mean, come on. Yeah. He, like first off, the uh, fact that that's that. Well, in earlier on, it looks like Batman's just wearing a sweatshirt, honestly. But the fact that it would even fit his rotund size is ridiculous. Yeah. So we find out he basically Leha shakes Asriel and drives off. Seems to be a thing, a recurring theme with these Denny O'Neill books. Someone gets in a car and shakes him. But he's successful in murdering the next Dumas member. We find out that Leha has taken Bruce to an abandoned oil refinery in Texas that he owns. Not Bruce, Leha. Which, uh, once things go his way with this economic crisis that they offhand mentioned, he'll get rich off it again. So, like, money is just driving this guy for everything. And he begins torturing Bruce and says he wears the costume to torture and deceive by decries of Biss. Like, he's doing this to ruin Batman's name, essentially. And it's like, well, I don't know. A handful of people saw you in this thing, and you're not really doing anything with it. Also, you're super fat. So, yeah. I don't know. And then Bruce says, uh, are you sure it's not insulting Biss by you serving my master? Trying to get in his head, which, I don't know. It works. Well, he takes a suit off at least, which is all you really oh, want. God, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, he gets very angry and very nude, tearing that whole thing off. Like it's kind of gross, but that's that's a that's a Casada thing. He draws fat nude dudes. See, the weird part is earlier on, and not that they don't explain it, but Alfred says something to Nomaz about whenever he and Bruce had discovered all of the sites for the Order of Dumas that yeah. he's like, well, what about that place in Texas? And Nomaz is like, what place in Texas? He's like, the place in Texas. And he's like, there's no place in Texas. And it's I, like, it's Lehigh's oil refinery. Yeah. What do you mean? Oh, you mean that place? Yeah, I guess I it's think, there. I think that was part because Alfred keeps trying to make Asriel a hero. 
Whereas Nomaz wants no part of that. He just wants him to dispatch and vengeance, like just dispatch and kill people. Yeah, I agree. But again, it's like so he's trying to play that down. Like I don't know what you're talking. Well, but about. again, it's like because that's you're working west, and it's like you want he wants him to kill uh, Lehigh, and it's like yeah. let's go there because that might be where he's at next. Yeah, but I think that's also under the guise of uh, he knows that's his place, so there's no order member there, and that this is turning into a rescue op, which he doesn't want. Yeah, but he also wants him to kill. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, um, I don't know. Yeah, it's just it's a it's a weird not it's a pass or it's um it's whatever. It's just a weird interchange or exchange between the characters. But the fact that he would there's no reason to hide that. I mean, I guess there is, but there really isn't. I think it's just for the end game result of the whole explosion that we're gonna. Oh well, yeah, moment. yeah. Like you're not gonna have an oil refinery in France or Switzerland. I guess I do like that when. Nomaz says summon Azrael. He kind of turns in, uh, John Paul turns into a robot and just like puts the mask on, kind of like he's becoming his lapdog or so to speak. In which we mentioned before that happens, Alfred asks what his real name is and he can't remember. <laughs> I find it funny that while they're about to get into Leha's oil refinery, that Batman keeps kicking a knife out of uh, Leha's hand over and over and over. Like he, he like Lee Haw goes for him, takes a shot at him several times, but Batman just keeps kicking this knife out of his hand. It's just like, why did we have to keep repeating this? But I don't know. Tension? Question marks? But Azrael comes in, rescues Bruce. A fire starts out. They leave Lee Haw behind and burning down in the room. Basically, he just dies from a giant fire explosion in the refinery. Nomaz is furious that he rescued Bats and keeps saying that he's an angel of vengeance and not a rescuer, which he's been saying throughout this entire series. And then... The final page is Azrael takes off his helmet and says, I'm not an angel. I'm a man. My name is Jean-Paul Valley. That's my father's name, too. How are you doing? That's it. And that's yeah. it. And that's it. Like, that's how it ends. It's like the weirdest way of ending something. But what do you guys, what do you guys rate this overall? If I'm Unless being... you got any other final words on that, that part of the book. Like... No. Uh, I mean, I, I'm gonna, I still think it's a good story. Uh, I'm going to give it like an eight. Eight, okay. Um, and especially, like I said, the art is fantastic. So it, that, if anything, if anybody less than Casada would have drawn this, I don't think it would have been as enjoyable. But I not think even the, art, the Venom guys. I don't think I don't think they could have. I think just this book, the flow, the way it is, it's it, too bombastic. No, well, it's not too bombastic, but it takes a certain artist, like to to make the flow work correctly. Some artists just can't do that. Is what I I'm think I think his high kinetic style. Listen to me, kinetic. I think Casada's high kinetic style goes to this because there's a lot of talking in this book. Yes, there is. Like, there's not a lot of action. So yeah, if you don't have some flashy art, it's it starts off so well though. Yeah, it does. There's too. there's there's definitely highs, but well, and like the one thing that the only thing that's kind of actually missing from this is there's not that much Batman at all, really, because first panel he's flying through Go- or he's swinging through Gotham looking for stuff. Yeah, he fights a little bit in Switzerland, yeah. and then after that, he's just wearing a suit. And then yeah, after he that, he just he just yeah. he's captured for. This is an two, and, two issues. Yeah, yeah, and an it, which is story, it, which is interesting that they actually, and I feel like something like this nowadays would work, the way that it, it's an introduction for Azrael as a DC yeah. character, but, and and again, like how we know about. Um, when story like characters come out and the way that they're writing stories, and then we know ahead of time, we know six months in advance when people are going to publish what they're going to publish. So we know if uh-huh. a character's just it's going to be about them. The fact that again in the early '90s they took this risk to introduce this character uh, in a Batman book, and it's not even really a Batman book. It's, yeah. So that that was it was a good risk, I think, and okay. it pays off later on. 
Chris? Uh, so I did not enjoy it as much per se. Um, the art was the saving grace for it. But I feel if if you had the same exact story and then Nightfall never happened with Asriel and John Paul, it would be super forgettable. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's, it is important. And if you are trying to read through Batman, getting all the important stuff, I definitely do recommend it in that sense. But it's not my cup of tea when it comes to a Batman story. I like it a little bit more based and grounded. If Batman's going to get weird and fantastic, I'd rather that be with like the rest of the Justice League and stuff. You're talking about like the 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 Order and the Abyss stuff. Yeah, yeah. And it comes out of nowhere, and you got like this little guy with a weird tooth. Like, oh yeah, we didn't mention that Nomad's is a troll looking motherfucker. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. And so you know, this is my first time reading it. Um, I don't ever remember seeing that character again. We, like I said, we might. Denny O'Neill writes the Asriel book, the ongoing. That's like 100 issues. But like I said, we might see it in the first arc we read later. Holy but, shit, that's 100 issues? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You motherfuckers like the pointy ass shoulders in the 90s. He does show, he, he has shown up more recently, but in recent stuff. But Ooh. that's a whole discussion for another yeah, time. Yeah, that's New yeah. 52 nonsense. So, uh, was it? Or is it convergence? I don't know. That's. I feel we like. We'll be here for another eight hours if we start going into that. I just want to say, I feel like this he could get the new 52 treatment. It would be very good. Hmm. Um, so what do you give this? I'm going to give it a six. Six. Okay. I straight up gave this a five out of 10. The art saves it for me. I think the art is the best part. I don't like shitting on Denny O'Neill, but this was very wordy. There wasn't enough action in it for, for this guy being an angel of vengeance. I wanted to see him like, I wanted to see a lot more of what happened at the beginning of issue four with him just tearing people to shreds and stuff like that. I get the whole like, this nerd has to overcome becoming a nerd and gets like hypnotized into this killing machine thing. But the, the whole introduction of the demon Biss out of nowhere threw me for a loop. And yeah, I would have loved to see more just Casada drawing Batman proper as well. Yeah, it does whole, its job, but it just, it's, it's very clunky for me. I think. Yeah. I feel like whereas this was a four issue miniseries, this nowadays, again, this would have been a six or and, a 12. Uh, shit. Yeah. But yeah. I mean, um, but like you said, the the problem really is is the way that they introduce Biss and that he's just all of a sudden there and that there's no mention of him previously. And it, it, he could have been a better villain is what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. It seems like he had too much to deal with in little amount of time as well, but he could have, I don't know. I'm not a writer, so <laughs> I just read them. But Where's my Biss hero click? So we got this averaged out at a 6.3. Oh, I was going to say, maybe I should make you a Biss... Uh, pop, make my <laughs> I'm custom pop. And God, make you one. <laughs> yeah. God, yeah. We averaged Batman Sword of Azrael out at a uh, six point three out of ten, which is which is good. I think anything five or above is worth reading personally. Um, yeah, at least once. Yeah, at least and, once. Well, you know, especially if you're going to read the whole Nightfall thing. Yeah, yeah it's a good it, primer it, to understand who John Paul is. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah um, it, it's it's part of the story. It really is critical yeah. to understanding what yeah. happens because, and, and we can talk about this later, but. It shows him being a killing machine and explains why he becomes Batman as well, like what he's able to do later. And yeah. like where why Batman things kind of go south. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that's going to do it. I do have a question here sent in from Rob. Uh, he emailed us at therunpod at gmail.com. Chris, that's... What? <laughs> what is our email address? Oh, it is... Uh, what yeah, did you just you, say? The runpod. The runpod <laughs> at gmail.com. P-O-D. 
P-O-D. Uh, we Rob, are, we are. Rob basically... S- How dare you? Yeah. Yeah, we I should just actually say some P-O-D <laughs> exit <laughs> mu- music. <Ugh>. Um, <laughs> oh, we could... We run, we run. <laughs> the running podcast. Uh, anyway, he says... Any retired artists or artists that have passed away that you would like to see someone take on in a new project? Like, if they had the kind of worded that weird. Basically, is there an artist you want to see do art again that's currently not drawing, be it he passed away or he just straight up stopped? Again, I'm going to say I'd like Casada to do some full issues. Yeah, some interiors. I think there's, I, I really would like to see him do a full Batman run. Yeah. Um, I mean, because we had some phenomenal runs for some, like, you know, I'm going to point out now. <clears throat> Jeff Loeb wasn't a good writer, but the Jim Lee Jeff Loeb run was yeah. a beautiful book to look at. And, yeah. and that was just I when that was announced, that was one of the best I was like, this is fantastic. And he was that was just a fantastic run. Yeah. And I I'd like it if Casada would go back to doing full issues, do a full mini series. That would be cool. Yeah. Um I would like to see <laughs> I would like to see Eric Larson return to some Marvel DC stuff. He he does sketches from time to time on his Twitter. I follow him on Twitter. Like I would love to see him actually do like a six issue, twelve issue something yeah. or other. Um, but the actual answer, uh, Steve Dillon, R.I.P. On what? Just anything. S- anything. Yeah. Yeah. Love yeah. his artwork. Nothing in particular. I mean, shout out to Preacher. Shout out to you Punisher. You want to see him draw Preacher some like, more? Shout out. You want to yeah. see a sequel to Preacher? See, but he can really draw anything because I don't know if you. I really liked his Wolverine Origins run. I mean, because yeah. I would have never thought I would have liked him drawing a Wolverine book. Yeah, because he works. has same face. Like, I'm fine with that. I like Steve Dillon's art but too. It, but it, it, it didn't matter. It worked. Yeah. It, it it worked with that character. Yeah. It worked with that entire run. Even though, like you said, he has same face, but it's it, he's the only artist that I'm fine with him drawing Wolverine with eyes and not just white, white mask eyes or whatever. Yeah, yeah. like he's he's pretty good with facial expressions. Yeah, um, which is actually kind of funny because I feel like he's not that. The, the, what's, the ones that are the best with facial expressions actually don't have as much expression in the art, I want to say. You know what I mean? It's very plain looking. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and other people that have or do a horrible job, even though they're very meticulous and detailed, and they're not as good. And the fact that he right. can just do a couple lines and convey something. That, the only way you can tell the difference between a character is by their wrinkles. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. <laughs> um, for me, there's so many. And we could be here all day. And like I said, I'm going to change my thoughts constantly but i mentioned it earlier but i think todd mcfarlane i would love to see him get on spider-man again he changed spider-man for the better i think where he was just a muscular dude in a costume in the late 80s or whatever or even previous to that since his inception he drew him more limber he drew that version like we said earlier batman where he's very dark and menacing with the weird shoulder pads and stuff he draws stuff very fluidly and i don't know he he can draw some hands man any yeah, Tom, Tom McFarlane would really love to show you that he can draw hands. <laughs> yeah, he like I said, he just does sketches nowadays, and he's got that fuck you money, so he doesn't have to draw. And I get yeah. it, but he, he's got a lot of hats on. I, I mean, uh, he's executive producing the the new movie. alleged new yeah. Spawn movie. So I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, Steve Ditko, I mean, he just died recently, passed away. He really hasn't done anything because you know we could go into his whole weirdo politic thing, which I get, but I would have loved to see him do some more Spider Man. Because his Spider-Man, I still think he's better than Jack Kirby. But actually, you, you know what? There is one, and we'll have to revisit this in the next podcast. I can't think of the artist's name, but um, he drew a run of Legends of the Dark Knight with Batman uh, with Mister Freeze, uh-huh. and he did a Flash book and a Fantastic Four Iron Man book. And I'll oh, look. Seth, Seth, oh, 
He he passed away yeah, horribly. Yes, I know what yeah, you're talking he, about. Because he fell off like a stool and like broke off his neck. a building. Yeah, he fell no, off. A, no, he fell off a building. Oh, I thought he fell off like yes. a stool. Yes, like, on top of a roof party. He oh, fell. Oh, okay. I didn't know um, it was that bad. If he, you keep talking, I'll look it up. He I know is his Batman run because it's actually because like the Flash book that he did and the Fantastic Four stuff is very Mobius J pop. It's very Mobius like. Yeah, and it, but the Batman run for it is is. As wacky and as weird as his art is, the Batman was fairly straightforward and it worked. Um, yeah. But uh, he's one that I've always meant to try and get more of his stuff, and I keep forgetting because there's I have so much. many things on my plate. Um, but big in he's Japan one that I would like to uh, see something else with. Yeah. He'd be good with a Spider-Man book, I think. Yeah. The original is questioning like somebody who passed away mid-creation. Who would you like to see finish? Mike Waringo. I was just about to say that Waringo. Because yeah. mine, you know, they weren't really. I guess Steve Dillon was doing The Punisher at the time. Yeah. So, but yeah, Ringo is like the one that immediately jumps to head for that question, even though it's like the third one I said. Yeah, Ringo's an awesome guy. I'd like to. Uh, Seth Fisher is his name. The artist's name yeah. is Seth Fisher. Yeah. I knew it was Seth something. Yeah, Ringo drew, drew my favorite version of the Fantastic Four, which I hope we can maybe do somewhere down the line as a run pod. Yes, please. But, uh, I think that's that's gonna do it for us. That was Batman Sword of Asriel. You like I said, you can uh, hit us up on the email at therunpod at gmail dot com. I also have a Twitter if you care about that. It's at Flatular. I know why don't you, we do well I'm thinking why don't we do a run pod Twitter account? Yeah. I'll so let you go I'll let you be in charge of that. Oh crap. Yeah. <laughs> that involves me downloading Twitter on Yeah, phone. yeah. But yeah, well maybe we'll get a separate Twitter for that as well. Those are the ways you can get in contact with me or the podcast in general. Because Chris, you don't use Twitter either, right? You have one, but you don't use it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's going to do it for us. Uh, next episode is going to be a very short one, I imagine. Uh, it's going to be the first appearance of Bane, Batman: Vengeance of Bane, number one. So, yeah. Uh, until next time, Chris. Until next time. Nothing. We gotta, we gotta still nothing. We still got to think of something. Listen, I was up until six in the fucking morning reading these books to be here today. <laughs> I am dying. <laughs> It's pretty hot in here, too. I'm and it's of... fucking hot in here. See you later. <laughs> wow, you stuck with the show to the end. This show was produced and edited by me, as well as those oh-so-lovely vocals were by me. Also, a special thank you to Kimberly Lee for the show art. You can see more of her work at KimberlyLeeArt.Weebly.com. If you truly enjoyed this, please share it and tell a friend and vote us five stars on whatever podcast platform you use, as that would help us out tremendously. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>